God is calling you to do that. And he empowers you to do it through the Holy Spirit. Let me remind you, the Holy Spirit was not with everybody before Jesus. But, at, but Jesus came and he said, I have to go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And before the Spirit of God, and we're going to read about this later, the Spirit of God was in this holy place where only one high priest could go once a year. But now, because of the coming of the Holy Spirit and the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is now available to all who believe in Jesus. And now it's not just a temple with a holy place and a most holy place that is divided by a curtain where the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of God stayed and only one person can enter. Now you are the temple. You are the holy place in which the Holy Spirit dwells and lives. So much so that in Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, it says that there's a war going on inside of you. There's a war going on between your flesh and your spirit. And your flesh des desires everything opposite of the spirit. And the spirit desires everything opposite of the flesh. And they are constantly at war. But because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the freedom that God has given us, it says in the beginning of Galatians, it says that you have been set free not to indulge the flesh. Make excuses to not read the word. Be selfish. Live in anger. And there's a list in Galatians 5 uh, talking about the acts of the flesh, right? But not to indulge in those things, but to serve one another in love, to walk in the spirit. So you right now, me and you, we have no excuse, no excuse because it is the power of the Holy Spirit that is drawing us to the word of God. But it is the flesh inside of us that is saying, no, you don't, you don't have time. Two, you're not really going to understand. It's just a waste of time. Three, you, you know, the, just the excuses go on and on and on and on and on. But if me and you, if we call ourselves Christian, this is our lifeline here. This is our lifeline. And again, it's all encompassing. It's all encompassing. It's not just the word of God without the spirit of God. It's not, it's not just coming to church without being at home. It's not just being in the prayer closet without being in community. It's all of these things together. And my heart today is to encourage you, is to encourage you to look at the entire whole. And this is why the grace of God is so important for us, because he empowers us to do the right thing. And that's what we see in verse 10. I seek you with all my heart, but Lord, you keep me. I pursue you, but Father, you've been pursuing me for a very long time and you're drawing me in. I open the word of God and I might not be able to understand, but Holy Spirit, you open my spiritual eyes and you help me understand. And that is the work of the Spirit. This is very much a partnership with God. If we show up, God's already there waiting. And that's the beautiful thing about being in relationship with him. Verse 11 I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And maybe for some of us struggling, struggling with particular sins in this room, it starts with the word of God. It starts with the word of God, the knowledge of God. And again, so much more than just information, right? Not just knowing facts about the Bible. But opening the Bible with the heart of saying, God, I want to know your heart. I want to know you personally. 
God, would you reveal yourself to me? God, you made a way. This is why Jesus died on the cross. You made a way for me, God, so that I could get to know you. And guys, this is why, man, that song, the, the Lord, I'm amazed by you. How great, how wide is your love? It really hit me this morning because I'm thinking of, God, we get to enter into the most holy place with you. What a privilege that we get to do that. Through your word, I get to commune with the Father. We're going to get to have communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a little bit. We get to do that together. Together, what a privilege it is. Understanding this, uh, 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 letting, letting the word be the foundation of our, of our lives is what helps keeps us from sin. Verse 12, praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Did you hear that? I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches and i'm not sure if i've shared this example here before but if i gave you i'm this is going to be grossly exaggerated if i gave you 65 billion dollars right you would probably be elated but if i gave you this word today i gave you a bible and not only not only just read it but to follow to follow the statutes of god honestly which one would we be more happy about <laughs> if i said to you hey listen 65 billion dollars or the word of god not only just read it but follow it live by it would there even be any comparison of joy between the two but here the author is saying that I rejoice in following your word. Not just reading your word, not just listening to your word, but actually living your word as one rejoices, as one rejoices with great riches, with $65 billion. Some of us would work out a way to get both. Some of us would, right? But as one rejoices with great riches, that is, that is such a huge statement. And believe me, as I was reading through this, I was convicted. I'm like, God, am I, am, am, am I joyful about following your word? Because sometimes it's like, oh, God, I got to do the right thing. I got to do the right thing. I got to honor you. I got to honor you. And it's just like, God, if only, man, I guess I'll do it. But here we see somebody who rejoices in following the word of God. And I'm going to make the argument here. Make the argument here that we will not see the effects of the word of God, the closeness of, of, of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, if we are merely listening to the word of God and not following the word of God. So maybe, maybe if you're in this place today and you're asking yourself, oh, they always talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, everybody's always raising their hands and weeping. Oh, everybody's shaking. Everybody's doing this, but I don't feel anything. I invite you to search your heart concerning the word of God and how passionate you are about 
living and following the word of God. Don't get me wrong. There are people who fake that other stuff too, right? But if you want to truly experience the power of God, it's the spiritual discipline of living in the word of God and living out, living out the word of God. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Here we have these four action words, meditate, consider, delight, and I will not neglect. These are all intentional acts. And again, I will stress to you, you cannot just come to church and expect your life to just change, right? But instead, this is very much a relationship. I don't just go home to my wife and be like, I'm your husband, so you figure it out. I already did my job. I'm married to you, right? I don't just go home and not do my part as a husband. And I don't just go home with God and not do my part in my relationship with him. Again, I am not preaching works. I'm not preaching that works saves us. But what I am preaching is that Jesus saved us, so now we are free to do the good things that he commands us to do. Because without Jesus, without believing in Jesus, without the salvation of Jesus, you wouldn't have the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, you don't have the power to follow the precepts and the statues of the word of God. You wouldn't even be able to do it on your own. You wouldn't be able to. But because of the Holy Spirit, we have been set free to do the works of God. And that is, that is our part in it. That we accept, Jesus, you died for my sins and I am saved. Now I am on a mission to do your work and to fulfill your word that you have spoken, God. And that is our job as Christians, to walk in the purpose that God has given us. But how can we know our purpose if we don't know our word, right? How can our purpose be real to us if it's just secondhand knowledge? Again, the word of God. And how, man, let me ask this. How can we know that the word of God is true? We talk about freedom. We talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We talk about the love of God. But us ourselves do not experience it because we're not living it out. The only way to experience these kinds of things as a Christian person is to live the word of God. That's just what it is. There, there are no shortcuts. There are no... Um, uh, yeah, there are, no, there are no shortcuts. If you want to be in the Olympics, you have to do Olympic level training. If you want to run a four minute mile, then you better run fast in training. <laughs> if you hate running, you have no business. Are you a runner? If you hate running, are you a runner, right? If you hate running and you don't run, are you a runner? What Jesus did for us was we were without legs. Jesus died on the cross, made us new creation, gave us two very strong legs. Legs, what's his name? Usain Bolt. Gave us his legs to run. And we can run this race now. We can run this race. They gave us Jeremiah Bridgewater's legs. We can run this race now. We can run this race. In case you didn't know, he's a, I mean, uh, Justin, Justin, Justin Bridgewater, sorry, 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 Justin, Jeremiah's still very fast, though, I've seen him on the basketball court, Jer uh, uh, Just, Justin's very fast, Justin is, Nash, uh, 
like state known. Anyway, uh, Justin, what was your fastest mile? I don't want to talk about 430 something, and he's, and he's being honest. He knows that last number. He, he, he knows. He's just being humble. He knows. It's probably 432. But anyway, uh, we, we have been equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit to run this race. And some of us are choosing to sit down on a wheelchair and stay across. So that's, that's I, I, just, I just challenge you. And believe me, I'm not sitting up here like, oh, you guys got to get your stuff together. I, I'm reading through this stuff. I'm like, Lord, help me. Help my heart. All right, let's jump to verse 33, and this is just to re, um, re, just reinforce what we've been talking about. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Again, a dependency on God. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding. Teach me. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. It is the understanding of the Holy Spirit that God gives us. That we ask for. He's asking it for it here. He said, teach me, God. Give me understanding, God. And then look at this next verse. Direct me in, your path, in the path of your commandments. For there I find delight. I find delight in your commandments. Our flesh hates the commandments of God. But he's saying here, I find delight in the things that you are telling me to do. And, to, and, and if we're honest here, not all of us are at that place of finding delight in the, in the commandments of God. But what do we say here? He says, direct me in your path. Turn my heart toward your, toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servants so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread for your laws are good. How long, how I long for your precepts. Preserve my life in your righteousness. Here we have teach me, God. Give me, God. Direct me, God. Turn my heart, God. Turn my eyes, God. Preserve my life, God. Fulfill your promise, God. Take away, God, and preserve. We have all these actions that are attributed, all these verbs that are attributed to God. So as you are in pursuit of Jesus in the word of God, be on your knees before him and say, God, teach me. God, give me understanding. God, direct me. God, turn my heart. Turn my eyes. Persevere my life. Fulfill your promise. Take away the disgrace. Preserve my life. All these things are in your hands, God. I'm just here ready and available with your Bible open because I want to hear from you. And the, anything and everything that I learn, that I get from this, you will put into action, Holy Spirit. It is your work in my life, and I am submitted to you. This is the good news of God. I want to look at Matthew right now because... All of these things, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 to 18, all of these things concerning the law, concerning God's statutes, all of these things, Jesus fulfilled the law. And I'll just show it to you what, what, what he says. He said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them. 
but to fulfill them. Jesus did not come to erase the 614 laws that are in the Old Testament. Instead, he came to fulfill them so that the burden of living that out was not placed upon us. There was no way, there was no way in our strength without God that we would have been able to maintain a relationship with God. There would have been no way. But Jesus, on the cross, fulfilled the law. Fulfilled the law. Took the punishment of us not being able to fulfill the law. Fulfilled the law. So that we wouldn't have to. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So the law of God still stands true. The word of God still stands true. And Jesus came. Jesus came to fulfill this law. So in our pursuit of Jesus, we no longer worry about, um, we no longer worry about sprinkling blood <laughs> on the various instruments in the most holy place, which we're about to read. We're about to read a lot right now. We're no longer doing these kinds of things, etc. The beautiful thing is that if we would just believe in what Jesus has done in the cross, we have access to the most holy place with God. So let's just look at that holy place and what they did in Hebrews chapter 9. Are you ready? So I need you guys to pay attention because... This is, this is a mouthful. And I just want you, I want us to read it together, okay? This is what was accomplished in the most holy place before Jesus. This is what we would have had to do. And not only, not us, a chosen person to go before God. A chosen person. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in its first room where the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail. Now, believe me, it's a lot of detail. It's a lot of detail. But basically, we just got a glimpse of what it looks like in the most holy place. Verse 6. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room that only once a year and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people, and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external 
regulations applying until the time of a new order. So this is what God had in place until Jesus was to come. Again, we saw this picture of the most holy place. Only one person could come in to do whatever he had to do to forgive his sins and the sins of the people. But then we continue. When Christ came as the high priest, remember the high priest was the one that went into the most holy place. When Christ came as high priest of good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So here we have Jesus acting as the high priest. Going not into the most holy place here on earth, but going into the most holy place that no one has access to. Only the perfect being, only God himself going into that holy place on our behalf so that we can experience the holy place that Jesus experienced here on earth. This is what Jesus did on the cross. His blood is sufficient to clear your conscience, my conscience. His blood is sufficient to give you peace, to give you hope, to give you freedom. His blood is sufficient to save your soul and set you free from the enemy. His blood is sufficient to make you a new creation with new desires to deny your flesh. His blood is sufficient for us and for all in this world and in this nation. And let me tell you something. This isn't misinformation. This, this is the truth that we need to spread to everybody else. This is the truth that our hearts need to submit to. This is the truth that our minds need to meditate on, not what the news is saying, not what Facebook is saying, not all this other negative stuff. This is the truth that we need to root our hearts in because when the bad news comes, guess what? I'm covered by the blood. When another virus comes, guess what? I'm covered by the blood. When somebody else wins the election, guess what? I'm covered by the blood. This is, listen, everything in the world, and that's not a political statement. Please don't get me wrong. I do not represent the, the things. Actually, I'm not trying to get into all that stuff. But this is what I'm trying to say. This is what I'm trying to say. I had to put that disclaimer there. We're online. All right? <laughs> this is what I'm trying to say. This is what I'm trying to say. The blood of Jesus covers all things. The blood of Jesus covers all things. But friends, you're not going to experience the power of the blood if you're not in your word. You're not. I'm going to skip ahead and I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. And this, is, and this is the promise for us. Oh, oops. This is the promise for us here. Sorry, 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 sorry. I took out my thing. All right, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we, talking about us, not talking about the high priest, talking about us, 
since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us consider how, how we spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, let us draw near to God since we have access to the most holy place. Every time we open our arms or bow our hearts or bow our heads before God, we enter into the holy place. There are no hoops to jump through. There are no clothes to wear. There's, not, there's, no, there's no ritual that we need. It's just believing in Jesus and you have access to the most holy. And guys, the same holy place that Jesus is in. The Bible tells us that we are seated with Christ. The Bible tells us that we are hidden in Christ who is seated at the right hand of God. This is who you are. The first song we sang today, I know who you say I am. Well, God's telling you this. That you have access to the most holy place. So when you feel weak, when you feel discouraged, when you feel lost, when you, when, when you are sick, when you are angry, when lust is overtaking your mind, when worry is overtaking your mind, when depression comes against you, when these things come against you, the things of the flesh and the things of the enemy come against you, you have access to the most holy place and even an even, an even holier place than the physical place that was here on earth because we, have the, uh, we are now the temple that God dwells, dwells in. Let's stand up together as we prepare our hearts for communion.
together with us. But let's just allow the Holy Spirit right here, Pastor Jamil, to sing something. We'll allow the Holy Spirit to help us prepare our hearts. Because you know what? When you receive this, Jesus said, you receive life. You receive life. And unless you receive this, you can't have his life in you. Now those are his words in the gospel. And we're about to receive healing that the, that the bread represents. And we're about to receive the life, the cleansing and the washing that his blood represents. And as soon as everybody has received, please just hold it when you receive it. If you're in this room, I will instruct you as to how to use it. Some of you have never used one like this before. So I want to give everyone the same instruction, and we'll do it together as to how to use this sealed communion with, that has the wafer and the juice. take it together. The first little piece of plastic, if you'll peel that back, just that little thin part, you don't have to peel it all the way off so it doesn't fall on the floor and it'll release the wafer. Let's take the wafer and hold it in our hands, hold it up together. Oh God, thank you. Lord, how we've been reminded today through your word that these words are powerful, the body of, the, of, our, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ here. That in his brokenness through the cross, we can be healed today. Our brokenness can be healed because you were broken in it. You bore in your body the pain, the guilt, the sin, the shame, the sorrow, the despair, the hopelessness. So that your broken body means our body can be whole, our flesh can be whole. We can be touched and protected and covered. So I thank you for the power in this body represents today, may it bring healing right now to somebody as we enjoy it together. We're going to take the bread. I'm just take that little tab. It's sort of broken already. Carefully peel it back. And then for your convenience, you're going to have to peel it all the way off. We're going to allow you to drop the Thank you. 
washed us from every impurity. So it washed us from information that deceives, that distracts, or that is not the truth. Purify our hearts and minds and our eyes and ears and tune us deeply to your word. Give us such an appetite of your word that as we receive it and walk it out, Lord, we yeah, we'll see your power demonstrated. But yes, there is truly a most powerful the word of God. So Lord, we thank you for the blood that cleanses our minds and our hearts. Give us a new appetite, a new hunger for your word. Wash us, take away, cleanse us now through the power of your blood as we receive your precious blood in Jesus' name. can drop your cups off. They'll be out there to receive that uh, from you. Please take it out with you. If you don't mind, just take it out with you. Just drop it on the droplets. Uh, we'll just, somebody will be out there, an usher or somebody, so you can drop those cups. Thank you so much. Perfect. 